Yep. Preach the word. Amen. So you guys are blessed, not because you get to hear me this morning, but I want you to do something really quick. Plant your feet on the floor for a moment and then lean back in those chairs. Yeah, see, see? We have those chairs in here. The other, the pews, no, not so good. The fellowship hall chairs, no. The chapel chairs, no. But these chairs can lean back. But there's also temptation, I know, to maybe take a nap. So I promise you, I won't keep you long. I'm not a long-winded guy. The timer's already um, ticking down, which is fine. Um, I usually do 22 and a half minute lessons there in Visalia. And if I go over 25, my kids tell me they're too long. So um, I'm not going to keep you too long this this morning. But I have an announcement for you. Now, this is a kind of a sober announcement. You're the first people to hear this from me. And that is um, about two weeks ago, I quit full-time ministry. Oh. They might be thinking, I haven't heard that. Well, the announcement wasn't really made, but here's what happened. I was getting ready to preach on Sunday morning. I was actually in our sound room. I was plugging in my computer, getting everything going, and I had kind of a feeling of anxiety and stress about getting up there and preaching. I still did it. I got there preaching that afternoon. I was talking to Zinni. I said, you know what? I don't think I can do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And a few preachers in this audience, you probably said things like that before. I said, I don't think I can do this anymore. I said, I, this, is, this is wearing me down. I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed. I'm tired of being the guy that's in charge of everything. I said, that's it. I'm done. I quit. She said, well, why don't you take the afternoon, spend some time in prayer, meditate on this a little bit. And by the way, you don't have a plan to feed us. So maybe we'll. <laughs> so I think I took a walk and I prayed about it. And I went back and hosted a small group. And I didn't tell the elders I quit. But I've done that multiple times throughout my ministry where I've quit. And any preacher probably has been preaching for a long time would tell you they've quit multiple times. Maybe they just didn't tell anybody about it, but they did. I've also been fired several times, too. Um, then the elders didn't know that. But I've gone into so many different meetings thinking, this is it. I'm going to get fired. They're upset about this, or I'm going to butt heads about that. Um, ooh, it was about a week ago. I was going into an elders meeting, and me and the elders were kind of at odds about how they were handling a particular situation. Uh, there's a couple going through some marriage issues, and I thought the way they handled it wasn't good, and I was going to tell them I thought it wasn't good, and that's always a dangerous thing, right? You know, because our weird church dynamic where you're hired and fired, but yet you don't work for the elders, and it's that's all bad, by the way. we got to fix that. But anyway, um, I went in there, and I had this whole plan. I told Zinni before I said, hey, I'm going to stick to my guns on this, and you're on my same page. She goes, no, I agree with you. We need to stand for what this is or handle it this way. So I go into the meeting. I was prepared to have this big blow up, and I was going to be fired. Well, I prayed before, and thankfully God worked through it. And although we didn't completely come to an understanding, we handled things in a way that was a lot more godly, and I didn't get fired. At least they didn't tell me I was. So um, I might show back up, you know, and there'll be a paper on my desk or something. But I've been fired multiple times. I mean, maybe you have too, and going through different situations. Um, I've also wanted to get in fights with lots of members before too. Maybe it's because I'm a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy. But I, I, I play through scenarios in my mind. I had a scenario in my mind about a month ago. Oh man, I was going to choke this old guy out of church. And, I, and it was all make-believe. It was all make-believe. Uh, I was. It was about a Wednesday. It was a Wednesday afternoon. I go into the fellowship hall that, that messed with the PA system in there because we've been having issues with it. It wasn't working right. We had Wednesday night class. And I it needed to be working. So I go in there and I'm messing with this and I'm getting really bitter about this. I'm like, why am I the one doing this? Why am I the only one in this church that knows how to work the PA system? If I just didn't show up, this whole place would fall apart. So I'm getting really bitter and self-righteous and all that. And then I played out make-believe scenarios in my mind. Maybe you've done this before too. I always have make-believe conversations in my mind that are going to happen that never happen. And here was the scene that I was going to have this big blow-up fight. I was going to show up on Wednesday and the microphone was going to be on and I was going to say, test, test, test 
desk, can you all hear me? And that one grumpy guy was going to go, it's too loud. And I had it in my mind. I was going to tell him, well, then you can fix it. And then I didn't do it. The microphone worked right. But I, I was already prepared to fight brethren that day. Come on, we've all been there, right? Where you play through those scenarios. Maybe I'm the only one. But I, I play through these scenarios in my mind constantly. I'm quitting. I'm getting fired. I'm beating people up. And I mean, all of us do, right? We have anxiety. We go through times of depression. We go through times of worry. We go through times of stress. We go through times of fear. We go through times of bitterness. And if you're in church leadership, probably maybe more than others. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to preachers that want to know if it's okay if they're a bad person that they struggle with anxiety or depression, even clinical depression. It's, it's okay. You can get help, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it's common. It happens to all of us. All of us have those moments of fear. All of us have those moments of worry. All of us have those times where we sit back and we go, is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? I have this conversation a lot. Wesley mentioned midlife crises in his sermon this morning. I turned 40 last year, okay? I'm like, I mean, I thought I didn't know I was going to ever live to be this old. I mean, this is weird, right? <laughs> but maybe I'm going through a midlife crisis or something, but there's a lot of times I find myself asking the question, why am I here? What's my purpose? Is this all there is? Is this what God wants me to do? Is this the end all of my existence? In 10 years, I mean, I've been in Visalia for a long time, longer than most preachers stay in a place, okay? And I sometimes I think, is this, this what I'm supposed to keep doing? I mean, if you've been there too, and maybe not even in ministry, but you've had those moments where you go, is this all there is? And, and I'm a big planner. I like everything figured out. And so often I find myself stressed because I'm like, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do for the next two years, three years, five years, 10 years? What does God want me to do? I imagine you feel this way. And my lesson topic this morning is we all feel that way or it happens to all of us. And we all feel this way where we feel helpless, where we feel stressed, where we feel worried, where we feel like I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've been feeling that way since graduation here at Bear Valley. I mean, Monday morning rolls around. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just kind of limping through this whole thing. But we do that, right? What am I supposed to be doing? And that feeling of helplessness, that feeling of lostness causes depression causes anxiety, causes fear, causes bitterness at times, causes anger, resentment. Because when you have, I'm a controlling kind of person. I like having everything planned out. We took a trip, Zinni and I did, for our 20th wedding anniversary to Europe um, this year. We've never done anything like that. Okay, I mean, we have six kids. We don't really get to go anywhere. Um, <laughs> but we planned this one, safe for it. But the best part for me about doing that trip was planning it. I, I like planning things. I had the best hotel deals, the best routes, the best trains, the best flights. That was the best part. Yeah, Europe was great and beautiful, but you should have seen how well I had that planned. Okay. <laughs> now, thankfully, my wife is a planner too, so we're like, let's get out the spreadsheets. It, it was it was awesome. But but when I can't plan everything perfectly, when I can't control the situation, by the way, when you're working with a church, you can't control all of them. We're not cults. At least I haven't been able to pull that off just yet. Although sometimes we do act like it. Um, you know, we it's hard to not understand that I can't fix everything. I can't control everything. I can't make everybody do the right thing. And when I feel that way, I feel helpless. And when I feel helpless, sometimes they get bitter. Sometimes they get angry. I think we all saw this a little bit, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, 
with COVID. Amen. And when COVID happened and churches had to make decisions, all of a sudden we had to make decisions on the fly about, are we going to meet? What are we going to require Require of the brethren? Are we going to do online? Um, what, is, what kind of, and we had a lot of laws and stuff in California, Colorado, some strict regulation and stuff too. So we had to work among some of that. It was a very helpless feeling because there really was not a cut and dry right answer of what we're supposed to do. And any decision you made, 50% of the people in the congregation or in the community or whatever disagreed with your, your decision. Mm-hmm. We had members leave. We had gang members too. I mean, it's a, one of those kinds of things where, and it's a very helpless feeling when there's not a right or wrong answer on what to do. So I just kept coming back to with the brethren. Hey, we don't know what we're doing. Just please bear with us is kind of what I kept telling them and it seemed to work. But that feeling of helplessness of not knowing how long is this going to last? We, we shut down for a little while. How long are we going to be shut down? Are certain brethren going to come back? Are these bitter people going to stay bitter? Are we going to divide? Are we violating the law? You know, things like that. We had, it was a very helpless feeling. And maybe you didn't have to deal with the COVID, but all of us have been in those moments where we felt helpless before. Ever been had your house broken into? It's a helpless feeling. I remember one day we were a dirt biking family and uh, my son Owen, when he was little, he had a little Honda 50 and um, cool little bike, great bike to learn on. Um, I went to work that day to the office. I usually leave my garage door open. I live just down the street from the church. The kids might be riding their bikes. It's not a big deal. I left the garage door open as I went to the office for a couple hours. I came back. We go out in the garage to leave somewhere and Owen goes, where's my dirt bike? Someone went into the garage picked up that little, they didn't pick up mine, my bike's too heavy to carry, but they managed to grab that 50, probably throw it in a trailer and take off. <laughs> Called the cops, they were like, we really can't do anything. I, I went to a pawn shop, they didn't have it, you know what I mean? I, I've, I've been searching Craigslist for 10 years, if I find that, then I can practice choking people out, right? But I mean, <laughs> but never found helpless feeling, and I'm seeing Owen, seven, eight years old, dad, what, what are you gonna do? Well, Owen, I'm not gonna buy you another bike, that was a one-time thing, you know what I mean? We have more kids now, we can't afford motorcycles, and <laughs> Um, helplessness. What am I supposed to do? You've been there, right? It's a very helpless feeling. Ever had your identity stolen or someone use your credit card? It's a very helpless feeling. Happened to me one time leaving Bear Valley lectures. Yeah, see? I was um, here with my daughters. I tried to take a kid with me anytime we travel places. I had um, Gwen and Claire with me. And we were leaving on Frontier Airlines. Okay? Now, Frontier Airlines has a reputation for what? Charging. Charging and what else? Canceling flights, okay? Come on, guys. You know. You, uh, so we're getting ready to go to the airport. Our flight was canceled. We had to stay in a hotel out by the airport for an extra night. And then to get back to Fresno, California, we had to fly from Denver to Phoenix to L.A. to Fresno, okay? And I had two little girls that were just tired of traveling. And I had already forgotten Gwen's luggage, so I had to go to Walmart and buy her clothes. I didn't buy her enough clothes. It was quite the adventure. And I stopped at the Phoenix airport there, and the girls are hungry, and we're in this tiny little commuter terminal in Phoenix. There's not food there, but there's a vending machine. And I was like, I don't have any cash. Oh, the vending machine takes credit cards. So I go over, I swipe my card on the vending machine. I don't know, we got a Pringles or something. And then we take off and fly. We land at the next airport. I have all these notifications from Chase. Uh, Lime scooter rental. Helicopter chartering for the Grand Canyon. Yeah. I had to come on the phone calling. Did you charter a helicopter for a Grand Canyon? No, I'm in Los Angeles airport right now. Credit card number somehow between Phoenix and LA got hacked out. Thankfully, there was protection on it. I didn't get charged or anything. But for a split second there, I was in a panic. Holy cow, I can't afford a helicopter. So that was a helpless feeling. Look at your retirement plans lately, your, your portfolio. Feel kind of helpless right now, right? And I can't fix it. I've tried. 
I mean, I've tried to will in the market to be better, and I can't. I don't have that power. It's a very helpless feeling. Well, that feeling of helplessness that you feel, whether you got your house broken into, whether you got your dirt bike stolen, whether you got your identity stolen, looking at your retirement plan, or just helplessness in life in general, that feeling happens to all of us. We all feel that way a lot of times, and many times, like me that Sunday when I quit, we sit back and we go, that's it. I give up. We can't give up. But that's what we do, right? We quit. I see people when marriages are hard, they give up. When parenting is hard, they give up. When work is hard, they quit. When ministry is hard, they give up. We can't always be people that that, our default mode is to just give up and quit. But it's very common when you're feeling helpless to go down that path. But my encouragement for you this morning is this then. When you feel like giving up, when you feel like all hope is lost, when you feel helpless... Turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Amen. Now, the book of Ecclesiastes, um, in this audience like this, I know most of you are familiar with it, but quick introductory material written about 900 years before the time of Jesus. It's a philosophical book in nature. It's part of what is referred to as wisdom literature. Um, some wisdom literature books include you know, Job, where it talks about the question of why is there suffering. Song of Solomon talks about the beauty of love and Proverbs, the kind of the meaning of wisdom. Psalms, the real praise and worship and lament and so on. And then Ecclesiastes is a book that deals with the, the situation we often find ourselves in. How do I make sense of feelings of helplessness? And I find myself at different times in ministry turning to different books of the Bible. And when COVID broke out and we're trying to navigate all of this, I said, I got an idea. Let's preach through Ecclesiastes. And that's what we did. And the congregation, and we work through this book because this book is a story of a man trying to figure out life. He's trying to figure out, is there meaning to any of this? He's asking questions like, why am I here? What is my purpose? Is there reason to anything? That's a deep question, right? This is a book to turn to when you don't know what to do. Now, thankfully, I don't know what to do a lot of times, so I find myself, you know, in the book of Ecclesiastes a lot. But the author of the book is Solomon. He refers to himself in this book as preacher or teacher. Historically, I know you know this, but his father was um, David. His mother was Bathsheba. He possessed great wisdom, great power, great wealth. There was nothing on earth that he couldn't have. I mean, he had a life of just great abundance and excess and immorality and so on. I mean, the text even tells us we know he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I mean, this guy, this is a guy that lived a life of, of extreme excess, but also extreme opportunity. He had a lot afforded to him. But his life has these ups and downs to it. It's not all just perfect. Well, you think, well, if I had everything he had, then I'll be happy. Then I will arrive. Then it'll be great. And what we find with Solomon is Solomon forsook following God after his early years. He was unfaithful to the wife of his youth, and he spent his life indulging in all these desires. And then at the end of his life, he kind of looks back at it in retrospect, and he looks at his life and everything that he's done, and he says, all is vanity. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2, he introduces us to that word, key word of the book. I'm not going to try to pronounce the Hebrew word, um, but in English it looks like a B, but it's pronounced with a V. But this word for vanity there is used throughout this book, and it's often translated, you know, vanity or even 
meaninglessness. Solomon is looking at his life and he's saying life is meaningless. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Chapter 1, verse 2. Or the International Standard Version, I like how they translated this. It says, utterly pointless, says the teacher. (laughs) Absolutely pointless. Everything is pointless. You ever feel like that? Like, that's it. This is pointless. This is stupid, right? I mean, I do that. Stomp my feet, you know. This is awful. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah, we do, right? Solomon felt that way. He felt like, this is, there's nothing. This is all meaningless. Well, it happens to all of us. That's the title of this lesson, right? That feeling of everything is pointless happens to all of us. And Solomon predicted it. He said, surely there's nothing new under the sun. He says there in verse 9. So what's the answer then? If life seems meaningless and pointless all the time, what's the answer? The sad thing about this answer is it's not really complicated. If it was a complicated answer, we could be like, well, that's kind of hard, or it's hard to understand, I can't comprehend this, or it's too multifaceted. The solution to that feeling helpless and feeling like life is pointless is actually pretty simple. Think back to when, when COVID first broke out. I mean, like the first weeks of it, okay? When we're looking at articles and watching the news wondering, all right, when are they going to tell us this whole thing is over? You know, that kind of thing, right? And and I remember I was always looking for, all right, what's the what's the the cure to this? What's the way to fix this? Because I just want to go back to doing what I always want to do. You know, that kind of thing. And I remember early on, the information that they would tell you was, well, the best thing you can do is wash your hands, cover your mouth when you cough, and stay away from sick people. I'm like, that's it? I wanted, I wanted different advice. You know, I wanted some kind of magic cure of some kind. I, I wanted, I don't know, something better ever research dieting. Maybe you're trying to drop weight or something and you go and you're reading up on all these different diets and you're looking for a a, a different type of approach to it, right? What do they always tell you? Eat healthy exercise, right? I mean, like really? That's it? You can't come up with anything new? Well, there's nothing new under the sun, right? But here's the deal. With the idea of feeling helpless, with the idea of losing weight, with the idea of preventing COVID, I mean, the solution is simple, but it's hard to put into practice sometimes. You ever try to get your kids to cover their mouths when they cough, right? It's not always easy to put into practice. The solution to feeling helpless in life is simple, but it is hard. It's hard to put in practice. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, he tells us the solution. He tells us the answer. And it's a simple solution, but difficult to do. He says the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. All right, shall we stand and sing? No, but uh, I mean, that's really it, right? It's simple, and easy to understand, but how hard is it? That's a lifetime right there because we feel helpless here. We know that fearing God and keeping his commandments is the solution, but the problem is along the way we have a very, very, very twisty road and we can't always control the road. We can't control the path that we're on because, okay, I know the simple thing for me to do in life is to fear God and keep his commandments. Yeah, but I also have to deal with brethren, okay? And that's kind of hard to do sometimes. Uh, maybe there's illness in my family. There's death. There's there's financial problem. There's worldwide pandemics. There's identity theft, whatever it is, right? I mean, we can't always control the road. And what that happens then is we don't ever reach that destination. 
Even Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 1, verse 15. He says, what is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. So I know Solomon's kind of a fuddy-duddy in all of this, but the reality is we can't always control that journey. We can't always control the path from feeling helpless to fearing God and keeping His commandments. But what we can do is embrace the journey. And that's what we're going to be looking at just for the last few moments of our lesson today. Because this whole lesson is based on Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and you might have already opened up your Bible there. But what I want us to see with this lesson and this thought as we look at this chapter is that, yes, life has all sorts of different seasons. But what we need to do is embrace whatever season we're in. So COVID's happening. Hey, embrace that moment. Do what you got to do to serve God. Fear God and keep His commandments. Right? That's what you do. Times of abundance, times of lacking. Fear God and keep His commandments. That's, that's what we do. But we have to learn to embrace all these many seasons that life has. But what we find ourselves doing is instead of embracing the moment we're in, we always look forward to the next one. And I understand that. If you're going through a horrific time, there's nothing wrong with wanting that to be over. I understand that. I empathize with that. But at the same time, we can't always think, oh, it's going to be better later. If I can get through this season, then it will come. I've been one of those moments where I want to choke brethren. And not really, but it just it bugs me. I, I've had, there is a couple guys at church when they get up and either make announcements or say prayers, they say a phrase that drives me insane lately. And maybe it's just because I'm obsessive compulsive, but they put it up with me. But it, it's the phrase, well, we can't wait for things to get back to Normal. normal. Like, stop it. Okay? There is no such thing as normal. There's always going to be some drama some other time. Just, just live for the moment right now and glorify God. Quit waiting for, well, when things get back to normal, then we'll do this. No. We're going to do what we got to do right now, and then later we're going to do what we need to do then. We can't always wait for things to settle down. I've heard brethren over the years, and myself included, well, once we get through this, then I'll have more time for that. When I retire, I'll have more time to serve God. Or once I clear up this mess, and I can focus more on my family. No. Instead of yearning for the next season, we should embrace whatever season we are in. And I think that's the message here in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Let's read. It says, there is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing, a time to search and a time to give up is lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Life has lots of seasons, doesn't it? Think about your own life. How many different seasons of your own life are you part of right now or have gone through or will be going through? Remember your first day of school? Was that not a life-altering season that you were in? Man, I remember the first day that I went to kindergarten. I did not want to be there. And I remember I was already plotting my escape. And actually a week into kindergarten, I ditched school in kindergarten. Yeah, I slipped out the gate and I ran down the street. And I and they called my mom at home. Hey, your kid took off. We don't know where he's going, but he's fast and we can't catch him. And 
I remember I'm running down. It was Dakota Avenue in Fresno. Not even the nicest area. And I'm booking it. I'm going to get home. I don't even know what I was going to do when I got home. And they call my mom. And my mom my mom was babysitting kids. And I had all these kids in tow. And she's trying to meet me at the corner. And when I got to the corner, I was about to cross the street. And a neighbor person saw me and grabbed me. I didn't even know this person was there. And I'm flailing like thought I was being kidnapped. And I'm crying because I just cried all the time as a kid. And, um, you know, I'm crying. And they took me back to school. But by the time I got there, kindergartners only have to go half day. The day was already over. I managed to school. First day of school, that was a rough season for me, okay? Puberty. That's a rough season for all of us, right? We don't want to go back to that one. Graduation. Oh, that's a big moment. Life is good. It's a great season I'm going to embrace. But then we have to go to our first job. You're like, whoa, here, I don't like this. Maybe your first relationship. Oh, we're going to be together forever. And then you have your first heartbreak, right? You're losing your first job. I mean, we go through these different seasons of life. In life, you have times of prosperity. You have times of poverty. You have times of illness. You have times where a loved one dies. And maybe you never had to deal with that before. And the first time you do, how hard that is. The birth of your children, that, that's wonderful. But then the challenges that come from raising them. You know, I just got one of them through the teenage years right now. And it's a challenge. He's doing good, but there's, a, there's five more behind him. Okay? There's challenges in raising children. Our conversion is a new season of life. Losing different friendships maybe because of your conversion is another season you might go through. Marriage, divorce, death of a parent, your own aging, learning how to drive, but then maybe not being able to drive anymore when you get older. Buying your first home, being put in a home. That could happen, right? It happens. Life has many seasons. Planning for your career, planning for your death, planning for the different moments from your 20s all the way up to your 90s. Good times, bad times, easy times, stressful times. Life has so many different seasons. So what do we do? Well, Solomon says this, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. There's a time for all those different seasons. I know some of those we would want to avoid and probably some of those we should, okay? But some of those do happen. But all those seasons we find ourselves in, we have to learn to work within those seasons instead of just saying, I give up, I quit just because we feel helpless. So how do you feel about your current season? I I don't know everybody's life story here, but how how do you feel about the season you're in? Are you just waiting for something to end, something to die down, something to get better? We can't always spend time looking for that next season because if we do, we won't do what God wants us to do right now. You know, during when shutdown happened with COVID, um, there was it was a rough time for us as a congregation. There was a lot of conflict. I, I'm sure all of you had to deal with. I'm not. I'm not saying anything you don't know. But we did do something good during that time. And instead of just waiting for okay things to change, we're going to embrace this moment and do some things differently. We started um, really early on doing, and it kind of just happened organically, some um, small group gatherings at people's houses. It was like, hey, well, people want to get together. They want to study the Bible. Let's do that. Well, those grew. People started inviting people in. We've had so many new families that have come into the church now because of COVID times, because we didn't just put everything on hold for a moment. We found a way to work within that season and still try to be safe and all of that. We worked within that, and now it's exploded into a whole bunch of new opportunities. But only would have happened if we learned to work within that moment we were in, because we couldn't change the season. We couldn't make COVID go away. We couldn't make regulations and laws change. We couldn't you know, make everything. Everybody happy on whatever mask rule we came up with was. 
We couldn't do that, but what we could do is make the most of every single opportunity we were in and live it to the glory of God. And that's the message I want us to see today then from Ecclesiastes. Whatever season we are in, we can learn to embrace that moment. Even bad seasons, negative seasons that we wish would end, we can embrace those seasons and glorify God in everything that we're doing. Let me give you two quick examples and then we'll, we'll end our lesson this morning because I promise to let you out early and that clock is going down quickly. Two examples that come up to me, and these are just scriptural ones, but you all have examples from your own life, but these are ones that stood out to me. And when I presented this thought to the congregation, I wanted them to have some real world examples from the Bible beyond just Solomon's whining because Solomon does get kind of <laughs> kind of draining when you read through Ecclesiastes several, several times. But um, first off, think about Paul and Silas when they were in prison in Acts chapter 16. Now, I've never been in prison. I've tried to visit in a prison before, and they make it really difficult in California amen. to do that. But um, <laughs> amen that I haven't ever been in prison, or amen that they make it difficult. <laughs> I, I, just haven't been caught, I just haven't been caught, Wayne. That's what it was. <laughs> but, um, Paul and Silas are in prison in Acts chapter 16. They're there. Are they there for, do they deserve to be there? No. So they have a season. They could be probably bitter and grumpy. I would, you know, I'd be yelling, I'm going to sue you, you know, wrongful imprisonment. Just wait till my attorney gets hold of this. You know, I, I would have done all that kind of stuff. I used to have ties to the, you know, the Sanhedrin and, you know, I studied under Gamaliel. I'd have done all that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> but Paul and Silas are in prison in Acts chapter 16. And instead of being grumpy and bitter in prison, they embrace that moment. What do they do in verse 25? Remember? Singing and praying in prison. I wouldn't have done that, but they're a lot better Christians than I am. And they embraced that moment. They embraced that season. It was just one tiny moment. It wasn't a big, they weren't in there forever. But hey, sometimes we're like, we give ourselves permission to be bitter and grumpy, and maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we should like, hey, you know what? I'm going to embrace this. Whatever happens, happens. They're praying, they're singing, and we know the story. Earthquake happens, the bars, you know, and doors open up, the prisoners don't escape, the jailer's about to kill himself. And through all of that, a conversion happens and the whole household is converted all because of how they behave themselves in that difficult season. I would have been like, all right, the doors are broken down. Riot time. Let's go. You know, but <laughs> they embrace the season to the glory of God. And even what maybe you haven't thought about in this way, but this one always stood out to me. Even the thief on the cross. What a horrific season to be in. He's being executed for a crime. It seems like he committed, right? I mean, he deserves to be there. And yet, instead of being bitter, being just panicking, whatever it was, he embraced that moment. He's next to Jesus and asked for Jesus to show him mercy. What if he didn't embrace that moment? That was the one moment he had next to Jesus. Well, it's probably not the best moment. But it was the one he took advantage of, right? Sometimes we'll be in situations where we can reach out and help somebody during a negative season of our own life and their life. And it might not be the ideal situation, but it's the situation we're in and God can use you to make an impact at that moment. Amen. Life will have good seasons. Life will have bad seasons. And sadly, it took Solomon a lifetime to conclude this. It took him a lifetime to look back and say, there is a time for everything. Hopefully we figure it out quicker. I'm 40 now. I'm kind of starting to get it. Maybe I don't always put it in the practice, but I can at least articulate it. Uh, you know, that idea. But hopefully it doesn't take us a lifetime to come to this understanding that there is a time for everything. Jesus told us the same thing, didn't he? In the Sermon on the Mount, when he said, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So I asked the question at the beginning of the lesson, Do you feel helpless? I know we do at different times. Why? 
Well, the reason we often feel feel um, helpless is that we're always looking for that next season instead of embracing the one that we're in. And if all we do is seek to find meaning in tomorrow, we'll never find meaning in today. Our purpose as children of God is to glorify God in whatever season we find ourselves. And that's how really Solomon concludes his book when he says this is the whole duty of man. This is why we're here. We're here to fulfill God's purpose and to glorify Him in every single season of life Amen. we find ourselves. May God bless you and keep you. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Cliff. Uh, Dynamite sermon. Very good lesson for us. Um, very practical, <coughs> applicable. Um, Cliff is one of those, I don't think he knows this, but Mondays are usually my day where I'll pull up different preachers and I'll listen to them, and Cliff is one of those guys, and I think you can see why. Um, <laughs> appreciate that, Cliff. Kept our attention, and great lesson. Um, Cliff is speaking again tomorrow at 8 a.m., I believe. Um, so another treat will be there for you tomorrow. Uh, we will be dismissed until lunchtime, which is 1 o'clock, and then we'll have more lessons at 1 o'clock, so we'd invite you to come back for that. Uh, we've still got a, a packed full day uh, ahead of us and a lot of blessings there. Uh, let's go ahead and be dismissed with a word of prayer. God, as we approach you, we are uh, so thankful that you've given us minds to understand your word. And uh, thank you so much for your word that helps us through our life. Uh, we pray that um, you would help us be cognizant of the seasons that we're in today, that we can embrace the opportunities that we have and that we can uh, stop necessarily looking for tomorrow, but that we can seek those opportunities to glorify you right now. Lord, we're uh, so grateful for the ultimate tomorrow where we will be in that rest with you and that we can have eternity be with you forever. Uh, but for right now, Lord, we are so grateful to live for Christ. Thank you so much, God, for giving us those opportunities. We pray that more doors would be open, that we could proclaim the mystery of your son. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you.